This is the Empowered Athlete Podcast, hosted by yours truly, the one and only Natty Boss, lifelong athlete, sports dietitian, breathwork facilitator, personal development junkie, and holistic performance coach. This podcast is here to change the paradigm of what it means to be a high-performance athlete. The intention and mission of this podcast is to help you create freedom, clarity, and balance in your life while giving you the tools to heal yourself, improve your well-being, and optimize performance. I believe that in order to reach our highest potential in this human experience, we must unlearn and let go of everything we've been conditioned to believe about ourselves and the world so that we can truly tap into what our divine path is and have the courage to pursue the curriculum of our soul. It's my hope that after every episode, you feel activated and empowered to make change in your life that supports you in operating from a place of alignment of who you're meant to be. Get ready for major shifts and transformation. It's time to dive in. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Empowered Athlete Podcast. It's your host, Natty Boss. And today we have very special guest, Miss Christina Barlon. And I'm really excited because the conversation that I wanted to bring to you today is one that I know will resonate with a lot of people. Um, and this is navigating anxiety as an introvert in jujitsu. Um, Christina, on her multiple reels and Instagram posts, is very open about mental health and just her experience, which she, you know, relates to being more introverted and experiencing anxiety. And I know that she is not the only one in this space. So I really wanted her to be able to just speak her experience and how she's navigated that to hopefully be able to offer support to some of you guys who may be um, experiencing the same thing. So a little bit about Christina. So she's a second degree black belt under Kao Tara. When she first started her jujitsu journey in 2007, she had no previous experience in martial arts until she started Muay Thai in 2006. And Jiu-jitsu quickly became a passion for her and it helped her feel empowered and confident as it does for most of us. And she started competing basically right away in 2008 and has had so much success at all belt ranks and levels. I'll put a detailed description of all of her accolades in the show notes, but I'll highlight some of those, um, you know, big ones that are really worth celebrating because they take a lot of hard work to achieve. Um, but she is, an advocate for mental health awareness, as I said, and she hopes that by living her life with passion and purpose, she can inspire that others to do the same. And she also, we'll talk about this a little bit later, but she's the has a created something called Inspire. So I'll definitely give her some time to just talk a little bit about that pro project for her and that passion for her. Um, and if you guys want to check it out, then that'll be in the show notes as well. So some of her main black belt accomplishments, she's a multiple time world master champion, a two-time Asian champion, PANS master champion in 2020, European champion, um, has medaled at Worlds, American Nationals, Gi, No Gi, the list goes on from all different uh, years. She's very active in competition, so I definitely want to introduce some of that in the conversation today of how she navigates that being a high-level competitor. Um, but other than that, Christina, just welcome to the show. It would take me 30 minutes to do a, a full intro on you, which is a good thing. And I'm so excited that you're here. For having me. And again, apologize for the voice. I'm like, <laughs> I smoke like 10 packs of Virginia Slims. <laughs> for like the past yes. Um, yeah. So years of my life. <laughs> yeah. So we'll give you some grace if you need water, if you need your tea, all throughout the session. Um, 
that's a little disclaimer. This is not her, her normal, her normal voice. Um, she's struggling with some <laughs> raspiness, but that's you imagine cool. if people thought that this is what I sounded like, like, Oh my God, she sounds like a witch. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm so happy that you are here. Thank you for taking the time. And I would love for you to kind of start a little bit in a summary of your story with what got you started in jujitsu. We obviously hinted at a little bit of it, but kind of that evolution of what got you started, what got you hooked um, to start for those who don't know who you are. Um, so, I mean, I started off with Muay Thai and you mentioned that in, you know, in the beginning, in the intro. Um, and that was at Caesar Gracie's Academy. So there is a lot of jujitsu going on all the time. I never really looked at it just weird because it's like growing up, I've always been like a very hands-on physical child. Um, I was always getting in trouble because I was always wrestling with my cousins. I just couldn't keep my hands to myself. I just wanted to like push and grab and climb and and um, and touch people all the time. It's just, it's not appropriate, you know, little girls aren't supposed to do that. So it never, it never like crossed my mind to try it. And um, at some point, my, you know, um, my Muay Thai instructor was like, hey, try some jujitsu. And it was no gi. Didn't make any sense to me. I was like, nah, I don't think this jujitsu stuff is for me. So I didn't even, I didn't even give it a second thought. I just want to punch and kick people. And it took a year for me to try jujitsu again. My teammate was like, hey, I'll let you borrow a gi, a gi top, and, um, and just try class. I think, I think you'll have a better experience if you try it with a gi. And I'm like, all right. So I borrowed his gi, which was like way too big. I didn't even have pants. I just had like regular like grappling shorts, like like board <laughs> shorts or whatever. And I found some random white belt in like the back changing area. So I like that sambo style going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and like, I just remember it just being so fun. Like it made sense. Like I couldn't do any of the techniques no gi because I didn't have any concept of like technique yeah but like once I had the grips to slow things down I was like oh this makes sense like I like to do this um but at that point I was still like in a pretty toxic relationship and we had started doing martial arts together and um at some point he just like stopped wanting to go and you know like he had his own like mental health issues too but like I'm like super, I am super empathetic, but I'm also a super people pleaser. So at that time, it's like, well, you know, it was really easy for me to absorb other people's um, emotions and their feelings and like their insecurities. And yeah. in our, and in the, the case of our relationship, it always been that like, if he didn't want me to do something, I would stop doing it because the fear that he would leave me or he wouldn't love me or I wouldn't make him happy anymore. Um, like he wouldn't be pleased with me. So I would do whatever he told me to do. And jujitsu was the first time that I was like, no, I'm, I'm going to put my foot down. And we got a big old fight. There was like, I, he, I don't know. It was just like, I was telling him, like, I, I feel like this jujitsu stuff could be really good for me. And like, I felt like I felt really good. And I think I could be pretty good at it too. And, and he was just so convinced that I was like, no, um, the, those guys there, they're, they're just trying to make a fool out of me. Uh, they just want to, they just want to show that they can touch you and I can't do anything about it. And you're not actually good at all. And you're not going to be good. They, they're, they just want to use you and they just want to make a fool out of you too. And, and I was hearing all this stuff. I'm like, 
no, you're wrong, you know, and like, you got to go. And he was like, you know, like, who are you cheating on me with? Who are you leaving me for? Like, I'm leaving you for myself and I'm <laughs> cheating on you with jujitsu, apparently. So bye, you know, and, 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 but at that point I was still like really, really into Muay Thai. And so it, it didn't, I didn't sign up right away. I would hop into classes every now and then, but I knew I was like, man, there's something going on. And my brain was really just like, I really liked it. Yeah. Now, fast forward a few more months, then Kayoteha comes in and, and he's my now professor and he, you know, who great promoted me black belt. And um, I saw his jujitsu and Caesar's like, this is going to be our, our, our instructor, the head instructor now uh, for jujitsu. And like Caesar, he's a little guy. Are you sure he's going to be good? Like he looks, and I hope he doesn't hear this. I was like, he looks delicate. He looks really like effeminate he looks small he looks slender he looks like he could be a model he could look like he could be someone's high school prom date you know like all all of these like just based on how he looked I like I wouldn't think he was good at jujitsu and then I saw him wipe the mat (laughs) with everybody like these 200 pound guys didn't matter who was in there didn't matter how tough they were how strong they were like he just did whatever he wanted to them and I was like that's I want to do that. That's the jujitsu I want. And I took his class and it just made sense. I think he, I thought he, I think he taught like a simple, like scissor sweep, super basic, but like, it was like the most beautiful sweep I've ever seen. And it, it looked like magic. And I was like, this is it. I, that's all I want to do now. Like, that's all I want to do. And I was like teaching, stretching classes, cleaning the mats, just so I could like, you know, do classes for free. And at some point I was just like, you know what? I don't even want to do Muay Thai anymore. I just want to do jujitsu. And then that was it. You know, October, October 2007, I was like, yeah, I'm officially signing up for jujitsu and I'm not going to do Muay Thai anymore. And this wow. is all I'm going to do. And, How um, old were you in 2007? 21. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Little baby. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, if you think about it, like American standards, 21 is still pretty early to start jujitsu. Yeah. As, as opposed to like Brazil, where you have like, you know, kids starting when they're like, you know, four or five or, yeah. you know, even even like even not that young, but still starting when they're actual children. Um, so by American standards, 21 is still pretty young. Um, but like I didn't I wasn't thinking about competing when I first started. I just I just knew it was fun and I, and I felt really good and I felt really empowered. And it was like, I don't know, there's just there's something that clicked in my brain that was like this is going to be really good for you. And, and I just, I don't know, like me. It's like yeah, like, intuitive pool. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not going to lie. There was like a lot of serotonin boosts that I was getting from jujitsu. And it's oh, like, yeah. I want to, I want to keep feeling these, these boosts of serotonin. I want to keep feeling like, I want to keep these uh, feel good chemicals, these feel good yeah. hormones going. And jujitsu was satisfying a lot of, a lot of the needs that yeah. Um, I had like, you know, physically, mentally too, but like without knowing that it was, it just, it just felt right. And yeah. so it was very easy just kind of like, well, you know, now we, here we are, um, you know, like, uh, what was it 15, 15 years later. And I'm um, like, yeah, like 15 years ago, I didn't think this would be my life. I thought I was just, it was just going to be something that I did that was part of my life, but I didn't realize it'd be like almost everything. Yeah. So um, I'm in a really like, really awesome position. I'm really grateful for that. Yeah, that's awesome. And it's crazy how just like one opportunity 15 years ago, we don't see that far down the road, but it 
you know, everything happens for a reason. So that's yeah. crazy. And you kind of mentioned a little bit about how jujitsu made you feel empowered, but more specifically, maybe over the years, I'm sure it's evolved with being somebody who um, is a self-proclaimed introvert. How has jujitsu helped you uh, more specifically in like the benefits that you've noticed within yourself, maybe through the ranks and, you know, up until now? Um, I definitely feel like it helped me socialize better. Um, the thing is, it's like, people see me and they're like, oh, Christina, you're, you're a great socializer. You're so personable. Like you're like, like you just light up the room and, and you're so like, you talk well and you perform well. Like, how could you not, how could you have problems socializing? And, and like, that's the thing I grew up in performing arts. And so for me, it's like, when I'm talking to people, even though I'm really nervous and I'm really like, I don't know how to talk to people. I step into like a role, like a character, I put on a mask. And, and so, and then now I'm just performing. So I'm just performing the role of someone who's actually like socially acclimated when really like, I don't, I didn't know how to talk to people. Again, like growing up, like I just had a lot of energy and of course I didn't know how to manage that. Um, and then like, you know, then you have like um, issues with your family. I love my family. I love, love, love my parents. But of course they have their, their generational issues that they passed on. Yeah. And, um, and I want to be happy to say that I, I want to be, <coughs> pardon, the person like in my generation that likes, that started noticing these patterns and like, no, it stops with me. I'm not passing that on. Cycle um, breaker. Yeah, I want, I want to be that. Yeah, exactly. I just want to break those, those, uh, those traumas, but like, yeah, like I, I definitely grew up under, you know, whatever my mom was growing up with, she passed on to me. And <clears throat> so that meant like that people pleasing and that like putting others before uh, myself, which again, sounds great, but like to the point where like all of you disappears should never be that way. And, and jujitsu really just helped me find me like um, things like stepping into leadership roles, Right. I grew up with people saying, like, don't show off, don't show people how good you are. Only you can only do that when you're actually performing, but you can't share that with anybody else. You can't talk about the things that you like. You can't talk about the things that you're good at with other people because that'll make other people feel bad. Exactly. And 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 you and you know, like don't tell people what to do, even though you know how to do things, um, just because like people aren't gonna like you. So it was very like man, what do I do if I, I want to share, I'm a very naturally sharing person. And, you know, it just never came out right. You know, it was like, oh, it was just like, Christina's just a know-it-all. And Christina just wants to show how good she is and so much better she is than us. And like, that wasn't what it was at all. And so having this complex of like, now I feel like I can't be myself and, and jujitsu was like, it was okay. Jujitsu was the first time where it was like, it's okay for you to be rough. It's okay for you to be hands-on. It's okay for you to, to learn. And it's okay for you to like want to do more. It's okay for you to want to, to be a leader. And and um and I, I had a good community around me and I met really, really awesome people and they really enforced that. And so um like the socializing aspect, the stepping into like my authentic self, like if it wasn't for jujitsu, I don't think I would have met the people that I would have met and I wouldn't have had the strength or the mental fortitude to actually go through like these processes and go through these programs and um, like, you know, mental training and, um, and even going through like emotional health programs, you know, like tracing back with like, 
you know, generational trauma and, and unlocking and unpacking all of that. Like I would have never done any of that if jujitsu hadn't come into my life yeah. because I, I would have never had the strength to do it. And, and, um, yeah. you know, it, it's like, I, jujitsu literally saved my life. It didn't come in when it did. I, I don't think I would be here to have this conversation. I don't think I would be teaching anybody. I don't think I would, honestly, I don't think I would be alive. Um, and because that's always been a struggle for me as well with, with, um, with suicide and you know, depression and anxiety, panic attacks. It's a lot. And yeah. jujitsu made it manageable. Yeah. Mm. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I definitely know that there is people out there that resonate with this idea of putting on this role, you know, of what was praised and acknowledged. We learned, you know, at a young age, oh, this is what's acceptable. So this performer role is what's acceptable in these circumstances. But then there's this disconnect because it's just a character, like you said, that is there and it's not your authentic self, you know? And so that's where some of that anxiety can live. And just like that insecurity, because you're like, this isn't really who I am. And I want to express who I am, but I was told who I am is wrong. And that the only thing that is right is this character, you know? And so the beautiful thing about jujitsu is that it does, you know, we've heard it a lot too, is like, it's jujitsu is a mirror, you know, and it, we cannot lie when we're on the mats. Like it will reveal to us, you know, who we are, what we need to work on, what we need to work through. And I think that's why we, we become obsessed with it and love it. And it supports us in developing that mental fortitude because, you know, it really just lays the map of like, this is how you can grow. So that's so, so beautiful that you've had that experience and it's helped you in that way. And that's incredible. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah. You know, I was actually just talking to my students last night about like, you know, like the mats don't lie and yes. like jujitsu is all about honesty. Like yeah. if, if you're doing something wrong, it's going to be exposed, you know, yeah. like if you're not, if you're not paying attention, if you're, if you're, you know, purposely choosing easy rounds, if you're purposely choosing people that, you know, you can beat, you're not being honest with yourself with about like, about your progression. So you have to pick, you have to pick tough people. You know, you have to pick people who are going to beat up on you every now and then. And you got to pick people that you're going to be head to head with, because that's the only way to actually like really, really get better. And like, and again, in like jujitsu, it's like at some point or another, like you're going to meet the truth. <laughs> and, yeah. um, and, um, and you can't hide, like, because it, again, you, we are empowered, but we're also very vulnerable. Like, there's a lot of trust that has to go on there in jujitsu, you know, like, I have to trust that you're not going to hurt me, you have to trust I'm not going to hurt you. Um, I have to trust, you know, whoever's instructing that they're, that they're, you know, not just teaching me the right technique or leading me down the right path, but they're also being of good character and because yeah. whatever they do is what I'm going to pick up myself is, you know, like, we, um, <laughs> we follow this line where um, we are on display and um, and if we're uncomfortable, it shows. And <clears throat> and when we're confident, it also shows. And um, and so I, I don't know, I just I just like how Jujitsu just keeps everything real. Like you you really can't lie. And that's why it's like I don't again, there's there's I, I still I still have masks or I still have roles I step into. Like <clears throat> I always talk about there's black belt Christina and then there's regular Christina and they are not the same, you know, like black belt Christina can talk to a room of like 500 women, no problem for as long as she has a black belt on. But then regular Christina who has to talk to like 
like walk into a room of 500 women and just talk to them like regular Christina. And then she's like, ah, you know, and it's yeah. so funny because it's like, cause it's like, I'm the same person, the same yeah. person walking the same room. The only thing that's different is if I'm wearing a, a gear or not. And, <laughs> um, and I'm not sure if I talked to, who did I talk to over at the role models camp? It's like, I was wearing my gear and my belt walking into the open mat. And I felt, even though I was in Black Belt Christina costume, <laughs> yeah. I was feeling like just a regular Christina, like, oh no, I'm such a fraud. Like they see this a black belt. And like, and my head is just like, no one's gonna wanna roll with you. No one's gonna wanna talk to you. Um, everyone thinks that you're weird uh, or everyone just thinks that you're just gonna boss them around. I'm like, again, and I'm like, okay, I just need to sit in the corner and find somebody that I know. And then once the first person asked me to roll, it's like, oh, wait, I enjoy this. And I like doing this. Yeah. And then I, I snap back in. I'm like, okay, like black belt Christina is in, but like real life Christina is also in there too, because real life Christina does like people. Yeah. Yeah. Real life Christina does like interacting, but real life Christina is also afraid of people and what they might think or say, yeah. you know? So it's like, there's just so much going on in here and like, yeah. And also just kind of going in, like I have to like pre pregame, but like I have to hype myself up going in. Cause I know I'm going to get exhausted coming out, you know, like just talking with people, but when I'm rolling, I get energized. So it's kind of like crossfades. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And what you're speaking to is like, you know, before you step on the mat, it's kind of like, there's a lot of chatter in the mind. Um, but one of the yeah. things it also does, which I think is really why people become so obsessed with it is it really brings us into our body. We are forced to be in our body and in a world and society and culture and conditioning that's focused so much on the mind and like ignoring our body and getting ourselves locked out of our body. Jiu-jitsu forces us to be in our body. Yes. And don't get me wrong, there's still trauma responses that show up in the on the mat from various people. For the most part, we are forced in that moment to like be in our body, be aware, be present, be um, you know, alert to our surroundings and our senses. And that's a very refreshing and liberating feeling. And when you spend most of your time not in that place, when you come back to it, you're like, Jesus, it's like a drug. Like I just want to be here all the time. And hopefully, you know, we get to a space where like that gets to be the new, that is the way that you get to operate, not just on the mat, but can you bring what you experience on the mat into your life? You know, and I feel like that's why jujitsu gets to be like a vehicle for personal development, you know, yes. and for healing. Yes. It's, it's a skill that you need to tap into because like, you know, like, again, like in the beginning, like when you first start jujitsu, it's like, wow, okay, I need to put my hand here. And you put this hand here, I need to turn my hips here. You know, it's like, you don't have time to think about anything else. You know, maybe in the beginning, you might have some chatter like, oh, I look kind of dumb doing this or I'm totally doing this wrong or my partner totally thinks I'm dumb because I'm not doing this right. But then over time, it's just like, like a, like a, like a role is a really good example. Like you don't have time to think about those things because it's like, there's someone on top of you and they're trying to choke you. You're like, okay, like breathe. All right, move or like push. It's like very basic stuff. And like, again, like after a while, you just start to learn how to navigate through that. And I think that just helps us condition ourselves so that even when we're not doing jujitsu, like I can, if I start becoming aware that like, oh, I'm too stuck in my head or 
oh man, my breathing's kind of off. Or like, man, I'm, I'm feeling, like if I start feeling really anxious, I start feeling like my hands start balling up or I, I start feeling like I have to like shake them out. And that's like a key, like, oh, okay, maybe I should like figure out where that's coming from before I keep doing what I'm doing, you know? So I start having these conversations with myself, but instead of having the conversations in my head, I start having the conversations out loud, which actually kind of helps me too. I mean, the same way that I would talk myself through like a technique sometimes, you know, like when I'm giving a technique that's really difficult or or something that's different, or I have to to figure it out, you know, because I've only been able to watch it a couple of times. Right now is a really good example because, you know, my professor's in California and I'm here in Florida. So I don't, I don't have someone that can like, I can learn from and, and, and coach me or be my professor here in Florida. So I have to do like online training yeah. and, and it's like, okay, I have to find someone that I can drill with and I have to talk myself through the process. Like, yeah. Okay. So I remember he did this part in the video, not to do this part. And um, I'm like, Oh, what, what did he do again? The other person doesn't know what I'm talking about. It's like, and so I had to say, oh, don't mind me. I'm just kind of working through the process. Yeah. But I would have never thought to have done that before jujitsu or even at my, in like in the beginning parts of jujitsu. Like, so now we take that into like my life stuff. Like sometimes I'll be cooking and I'm like, wait, I forgot something. You know, like, okay, Christina, what do we need to do next? What do we need to add part here? You're like, or sometimes, again, I start feeling like panicked. I'm like, okay why am I feeling this way? Well, it's natural. You're kind of, you're kind of worn out a little bit. You're going into socialize with people that you don't know. All right, take a deep breath. You're going to be fine. You know, start with one conversation then you can get to the next. It becomes manageable because now I can break things down into like smaller pieces. And yeah. I mean, that's essentially how I learn. It's also how I teach. And um, without, without purposely trying to do that, this is something that I've learned to pick up like mentally. Is yeah. it perfect? No. Do I still panic? Of course. Um, but it's more manageable. Um, yeah. And I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have found these things again, like if it wasn't for jujitsu giving me such a, like, I, I guess like a pragmatic way to look at it. Yeah. Like it's, it's, uh, yeah. it's so hands-on, you know? So since if I learn by touch, then, then now there's something physical for me to kind of like um, attach that to whenever yeah. my brain starts floating somewhere else. Yeah. 100%, 100%. That's super, super super helpful I think and I I know a lot of people can resonate with that and talking that things out what it basically is it's kind of removing yourself a little bit from your head and being able to see it from a different perspective um which jujitsu really helps us with and so I'm curious kind of transitioning it a little bit more into competition because you have you are a huge competitor you know, you have so many accolades and you've competed at the highest levels, gi and no gi and all over different parts of the world. Um, so somebody who experiences this anxiety, you know, how do you personally navigate competition? You know, is it, it, does it feel different, you know, for you than just like showing up to the dojo to train or going to like a workshop or like versus competition where like things are at stake, you know, things that potentially you want to prove, um, I'm like, do you have a process for like calming yourself, you know, before competition? I know that you like yeah. to dance. Yes. <laughs> <So> <laughs> I dancing. see you. The <laughs> photos of you dancing. Yeah. Um, I'm going to tell you right now, it has not been a perfect process. I think now, obviously, I've more, more matured and I've had some time to work with it. And I mean, we'll say that I've been working specifically uh, with like mental coaching and like mental training specifically for competition. Um, 
I want to say I've been doing that for 11 years now. So, cause I didn't, I didn't pick it up until 2011. 2011 was the first time that was just like, I really need to stop avoiding doing mental training for, for competition. Um, because again, like the mats don't lie in yeah. the beginning as a white belt, it was great. It was, you know, fine. I was having fun. I got really good results <clears throat> and there was no, like, there's no consequences. I didn't care if I lost. I was like, I'm just a white belt, you know? Yeah. And, and at that point as a white belt, I wasn't thinking that jujitsu is going to be my life, you know, yeah. I'm just having fun. And then uh, blue belt came along and then, and then um, I moved from California to Arizona and so I'm like with a different team, I have a different professor, I'm in a different setting. And like my first two competitions at Blue Belt, I, you know, I lost. And I'm like, man, I went from winning to like, now I'm losing. And I'm like, okay, I'm like a fake, I'm not a real Blue Belt, I wasn't ready. And like, I knew I was ready. Of course I, I needed to be, I needed to be a Blue Belt. Like, you know, I, I already did so much at White, like there, there wasn't anything more to prove. You know, and I, and I really did trust my, my professors. So it's like, okay, I just need to mature into this belt. I didn't know the rules. I had to learn the rules. I didn't know how to be coached. I had to learn to be coached, you know, but it was really easy for me to just kind of have that imposter syndrome. That's like, what am I doing? I remember my first time competing at PANS as a blue, uh, the first time ever it was as a, was as a blue belt and that was in 2009. And like, even things like I remember taking out, I had lip rings, I had two lip piercings and, you know, I take them out before I compete. And I remember I lost my first round, I lost my first match, uh, zero, zero refs decision. Of course, I didn't know how to be coached, didn't know, the, didn't really understand the rules. And I just remember being in the bathroom trying, like struggling to put my, my piercings back in. And I was like, you know what, fuck it, I'm not gonna put them back in. And like, I was just so frustrated. Like, I'm like, I felt like that was like a part of me that was just like, I need to like grow up. I don't know why. Yeah. And then I spent the rest of the night not being able to sleep because it just went over all the mistakes over and over and over and over again. Like I'm sharing like this, wasn't like an Airbnb that they didn't have Airbnb back there, but it was like our friends like on psych vacation condo or whatever, and it was empty. So we all stayed there and like everyone's asleep and I just couldn't sleep. Um, I shifted around. Um, I think eventually at some point I fell asleep in like a closet because I was just, I just wanted to cry, but I couldn't cry and I just couldn't sleep. And I was just like, just beating myself up. And then I was like, man, is this really what I want to do? Is this really how it's going to be? And then, um, but still not really addressing mental training. Like I just yeah. need to get tougher. I just need to yeah. do better, you know? And, um, and granted that worked for a little bit, you know? blue belt was great I won a lot of blue belt um I know blue belt for me like I think that was that was the belt that like really got me like no I am a competitor and this is all I want to do and um but then once I hit purple belt it was like oh another level I, of imposter syndrome yeah and I was losing a lot more than I was winning and I was losing to like really 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 good girls but like I was just like in my head I'm like I'm not good and I and I almost quit jujitsu at least competitively. I was like, no one's going to want to learn from me. No one's going to want to be my friend. No one's going to want to train for me if I keep losing. And, um, you know, my, my professor was just like, you really need to start like do mental coaching or mental training for competition. Um, because you're really, really good, but like, you're just getting in your own way. And I'm like, no, I just need to train harder. I just need to shut up and just train. And, you know, I'll just drill more. 
you know, I'm going to need to work out more. Like this is the, like, you know, everything, like I've heard, heard it all. We've all heard this. Right. Yep. And it took for me to have like a panic attack at a tournament and like, you know, going in, it was like, it was a, a small tournament right before worlds. And, um, my professor's like, I don't want you using anything of the stuff that you're good at. I want you using the stuff that we're working on. I need you to work on your top game. I need for you to work on your passing. I already know you can pull guard. I know you can sweep. I know you can work from guard. I want you working on, on these other things because that's what's going to help you win at Worlds. Mm -hmm. and, and so it's like, in my mind, I need to win in order to have value. I need to perform well in order to feel good about myself, to feel loved and to feel like a good person. And so you're telling me that I need to do my B game that I'm not good at, something that I'm still trying to learn how to get well. So you're telling me to lose, is yeah. what you're telling me. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and so you're telling me to just be garbage is what I like what my brain was telling me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so I went into that like just a complete mess. I didn't know how to manage. Like all I could think in my head was like, I don't want to lose. So I was fighting not to not to win, but fighting not to lose. I barely won my first match. That was actually the first time I ever fought Patty Fontes. And we end up, you know, we would fight each other a lot. Um, you know, like I barely won by the advantage. Like she was like trying to submit me and I was barely able to hang on, you know, <clears throat> for the win. And then in the finals, I lost to uh, Maxine Thailand, who I'd lost to at the finals of Pans a couple months before, where if I had not made um, a strategic error, I would have won. So that was in my head, like, oh man, I already lost to this girl. I don't want to lose to her again. And I can't even use my A game. And she submitted me and I like full on had a mental breakdown in front of everybody. And, and you know, I, I feel like, oh, that could have been seen as like, oh, she's just being dramatic. She's being a poor, she's being a sore loser. And it was just like, and yeah, I was, I was being a sore loser because I didn't want to lose because in my head, mm -hmm everything is coming undone, right? That I lost like to the- a real threat. Like, yeah. you're gonna die if you lost. Yeah, I, I, like, I lost to this girl who I, 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 I lost before and I, I could beat her and now she submitted me today. Like, what am I even doing? Yeah. And I just remember just feeling like such shit. And I looked at my professor and I was like, okay, I'll do it. I'll do the mental training because mm. The first time I tried, I did like two, I did two little lessons at the mental training and it felt so uncomfortable because yeah. the first two lessons, you have to admit that you're afraid. You have to admit that there's things that you're afraid of. You have to admit that there's things that you struggle with. And me and my pride and my ego, I was like, I'm not afraid. I'm an excellent performer. I don't have any problems like this. I don't have any fear. I'm super confident. And that was just me projecting that like, I wasn't, I was so afraid that I'm going to lose everything if I don't you know, just have this, again, confident performer mask on. Yeah. And um, so I finally, I finally started doing the work. Um, it was like a 14, or was it, was it 14? It was a 10 day program, no 14 day program, but I did two lessons a day so I could get it done in a week. I went from my worst performance to like my best performance one month later at Worlds. So it was like the first time I ever made it to the finals at Worlds and it wasn't even at my weight division, it was in the absolute division. And I was like a tiny little featherweight. And, um, and wow. I, and I, I beat, I beat the girl who I lost to. Um, that was also my first time fighting, uh, Karen and Tunis, and, you know, she's a beast. Oh my God. Like, oh, yeah. That was my first time fighting her too. And I was like, I've never, I have never like fought against a woman like that before. I was like, oh my God, she showed me, <laughs> but, but in my head, I was like, no, but I'm still confident. I can still go. Yeah. And then I did the absolute. 
and I was in the finals and I lost, but I was like, man, I had never been in the finals at Worlds as a color belt before. And that was my first time. And it's in the freaking absolute division going against like, you know, middleweights, middle heavyweights, you know, yeah. just everyone bigger than me. There's no one smaller. There's no one my size. Everyone was bigger and stronger. And, um, and like, that would not have been possible if I had not like felt so low. Just like, you know what, the uncomfortableness of facing and admitting that I'm afraid has got to be a lot better than like this, this, this whatever this is, yeah. is, was just like feeling like I'm like, again, like, I just want to die and be like non-existent and I don't want to be here. Like, cause I do want to be here. I just like, I don't want to have to keep fighting myself for it, you know? And, um, 100%. It sounds like, yeah. I don't know if this is accurate for you, but it sounds like, you know, we can either feel uncomfortable in doing these things that are going to like support us in the long term, or, you know, the other aspect that sounds like all those things like that wanting to die in a hole sounds like shame, you know, like a really big, like shame hole of like, you know, that, and that can really make us feel disempowered and, and stuck when we get there. But it's like, definitely things can, anything is better than being in that hole of shame. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stuck there. Yeah. So yeah. Uncomfortable. exactly. Cause it's like, there's no escape, like, and it just keeps getting worse. So what I got some really good tools from doing this program, things like building um, a confidence resume. Like, so that my confidence resume, like these include like factual things that can be proven that I do right. I do well. Like yeah. you cannot argue that I did like, you can't say it, it's not, it's not a, an opinion. Like, these are facts. Yeah. Factually, I won this tournament. Factually, I get this submission a lot. Factually, I'm really good in in this position. Like these are facts, right? Yes. And yeah. so, like, I had to start with like little small pieces like that, and then start building up. And then after it was building the confidence, then it was like, okay, how do we how do we start managing like the the thoughts that start coming into the head, right? So I start. I have. Um, Apart from dancing, sometimes when I'm like mat side before competing, if a negative thought or a thought that's not going to serve me comes into my mind, I kind of, kind of do like a little head shake. It's kind of like I'm shaking water out of my ear. Yeah. Um, or sometimes I'll like, you know, you know, you'll see this or stop bouncing. But a lot of the time, it's it's the head shake for me where it's like, man, there's water in my ear. I need to get that out because that's not going to do me any good. You know. Yeah. Um, and it's not even about like replacing a bad thought with a good thought. It's more of like okay, the bad thought comes in, I kind of acknowledge where that is coming from. And then like, I kind of let it pass through. Yeah. So for example, like, oh man, um, I didn't get to drill enough because I had such and such injury. And it's like, oh, you know, like quick little shake. I'm like, whatever nice. I did, whatever I did is good enough for today. Whatever, whatever, whatever training I was able to get has to be good enough for today it was it was enough because that was all I was able to do and so if, if even if the bare minimum was all I was able to do that is absolutely everything that I needed to keep in my mind like I did everything that was in my power yeah. even if I could even if I couldn't go 100% in training that was my 100% yes I love that yeah really trusting that like you know that divine timing aspect that everything is happening and perfect timing and everything you know depend doesn't matter what your situation was if you put your best foot forward the stars will align if it is your day you know yeah. it will be yours if it's meant to be yours yeah and and it's like you know it's so I, was, I was having a conversation with another student actually because they asked me like how do you how are you like 
right before you compete, like what's what you telling yourself? And you're like, there's, there's like a slippery slope. Like you can't be so far on one side, super aggro aggressive, at least for me, I can't. And I can't be so far like low, low, where like it doesn't matter because either one of those extremes don't do well for me, yeah. right? If I'm out there, I'm like my day, no one's going to take it from me. That's mine. You know, like it's, it's, it's too much, you know, it's, it's because I'm not, I am assertive and I am passionate, but I'm not a very, I don't, I, I don't think of myself as an aggressive person, like aggressive, like where I want to like, um, I don't, I don't say like uh, push people around or anything like that, but like, I'm, I, I've never been one of those. Like assert your will. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can assert myself. Um, but I don't have to be like, I don't know, like, I guess overprotective of myself or I don't know how, to, I don't know the best way to say it, but like, if it's like, like this is mine, 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 mine. Like I'm not, yeah. I'm not a, I'm not a dog on a bone that's starved. I'm not that, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. but there is an ownership of like things that like, you know, when I get there, I'm like, man, I kind of want to touch the mat, you know, and it's kind of becoming familiar with my surroundings. Like, yeah. okay. Yeah. Like these, these, these surroundings are what make me happy. I like being on these competition mats. I like hearing the sound of the people yelling in the background. Um, I like I like the feeling of of um, of eyes on me when I'm about to compete. You know, I like these things as opposed to like, you know, like oh that's just the way it's supposed to be. You know, I don't know. Like I, I guess it's like an appreciation of the things that are in front of me, and, yeah. and in a whole like that also helps you just enjoy the competition even more. Like. I'm not thinking about proving myself. I'm not thinking about that. If I, if I lose, I'm a loser. And if I win, everyone's going to love me. You know, nothing changes. I'm the same person before I step in and the same person that comes out. The only thing that's different is now I have one more win or another loss uh, on my resume. And, and that, and that's fine. That doesn't do anything for my character. Like it doesn't change me as a person. And, um, and I can't say that whatever I do is going to work for everybody else, but like, I, I think just making myself comfortable and again, accepting, accepting that when I'm nervous, you know, um, my professor, uh, when I was living in Arizona, Gustavo Dantas, he, he said it best. He's like, you know, it's really good. It's okay to feel nervous because if you don't feel nervous, um, maybe what you're doing isn't that important to you. You know, yeah. you're almost taking it for granted or it's like, you're just, oh, this is just like another day. You know, yeah. even even if you feel confident, there should still be some tension. There's still just there should still should be some nerves because it means that what you're doing is important to you. It matters to you. You're you're not just doing something just because you're doing it because you actually want to. Yeah. And <laughs> I think whenever we frame that like no one made me sign up, no one forced me to be here, no one put me here except for me. I think when we take ownership and say, like, hey, I want to be here, I think that makes it easier to kind of take in like those nerves and it takes, it makes it easier because that means everything that's happening, good or bad. It's like you willingly accepted and said like, yeah, I want this. I want this. Yeah. I love that. <clears throat> and so I'd love to, um, transition. It was definitely a lot of golden nuggets for people to take away and different perspectives, you know, of what to try and navigating, uh, nerves and anxiety around competition, but they were all so, so good. And when it comes to, I'd love for you to speak from a perspective of a coach now, because I know that that's what you do a lot and coaching is a very interpersonal skill. And you made a lot of reels on this of kind of like hiding in the closet and like get my shit together to like, you know, work with all the kids. But how do you feel, how have you grown confidence as a coach being someone who, like you said, is naturally more introverted? 
Do you okay. think it's just a natural unfolding of jujitsu or like if there are other skills that you've done, or is it just like practicing coaching that you just feel the confidence? Um, yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, there's, there's a lot of practicing and there's a lot of developing, you know, there's going to be things that like, I think when we first start, I can't say if this is for everybody, but I feel like personally, um, when I first started coaching, I feel like I was more ego-based, more about me yeah. than about the student, right? I want to make sure that I'm saying the right things. And I want to make sure that I'm teaching the right things. And I want to make sure that I'm there so that I can give the image of being the good coach, right? And, and, um, and it was very like, I'm the coach and you're the student and I yell at you and that is it. And, and I think that was the perception of what I thought coaching was. Mm -hmm. um which I mean genuinely I do care obviously I want the person to win but like there's also that same thing like if my student doesn't win that means I'm also a failure and mm -hmm. and 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 that wasn't it that's not it that's not what coaching is right so then I kind of have to like step back and you start maturing you start growing and and like there is this part where like sure could I coach anybody yeah right if you if you need someone to just yell points at you and tell you the time and then maybe yell out some techniques I could probably do that you know anybody can do that that's not hard the hard part is it's like actually being where your student is or being where where your athlete is um I found it easier I find coaching I won't say easy but I enjoy it because it's like I know what it's what it felt like to be in their shoes. I know, I know what it feels like, what it is that they're going through. And like, and I know that I can't give them my experience. I can't do things for them as much as I wish I could, you know? Um, coaching has to come from a genuine place of caring and coaching has to come from a genuine pace, place of like, I want you to get better at your pace, not at mine not at my pace. I don't want you getting better at the pace that I feel like you should be getting better. I want you getting better at the pace that you feel like that you're feeling comfortable, you know, little by little. And I'm here to reassure that you are doing the right things. Yeah. And when you're, and, and if you're not doing the right things, I'm going to call those out too. But it's don't like, it's not about you making me happy. Yeah. Right? It's, a, it's, it's about me supporting you on your journey. And, and I think that is where, um, it gets, uh, I'll say, I'll say it gets messy because it get it's really easy to get pulled into, again, your emotions and the feelings yeah. of your students while still being, remaining separate because it's like, you, again, um, some of my closest friends, um, I, I'm going to say, like, they'll ask me something like about some jujitsu advice about competition or training and I'm like, okay, do you want friend Christina or do you want black belt Christina? Which one do you want? Because yeah. like, like, do you need black belt coach Christina, who's gonna be, who's gonna be not necessarily rigid, but it's gonna be like objective, factual, objectively with you. Like, yeah. like this needs to be worked on. You did this well. This needs work. You know, like you do this really, really well in training, but you know, in competition, like you're getting in your own mind. You know, like you're 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 kind of like blocking yourself. Like, or you can get friend Christina, who's just gonna console you. And, and like coddle you and like just wants you to feel better which one do you want you know yeah. and and it's not that like coach christina is like super mean but like yeah. 
they're going to give you the medicine yeah. and you know like and then friend Christina that's just going to be the warm blanket you know <laughs> like or the stuffed animal right like um and, and and I the thing is it's like I don't have to be one or the other I am both I am both like I am I am very much like those things I can be warm and snuggly but I can also be very like uh, I'll say unforgiving because that's not a good word, but uh, I can be very like, again, straightforward with you, very yeah. blunt um, because it's, it's what's necessary. Exactly. Um, and, and the thing is, is like, I will only do that with students who I know I've worked long enough with and develop a relationship with, because yeah. that is also part of the coaching thing too. Again, I can yell at anybody just fine, but I can't, I can't do my job well if I haven't worked with you, if I haven't talked with you, if I don't even know where you are mentally, because yeah. that is also such a big part of it. Again, being a good coach isn't being good at jujitsu. Being a good, good coach is being a good person, having a good jujitsu, and then also being a good communicator, right? And, yeah. and, the, and, you, and you have to be able to understand like how you communicate and how they communicate and how they understand information. And, and because some people need tough love and some people, need like warm cuddly love and some people need just objective um, criticisms and some need like okay give me whatever did wrong but please give me something right so I can feel good about myself too you know um I can't coach everyone the same and that is something that you're only going to learn over time because no yeah. one learns to do that right off the bat um, no. and again like the more that you have your own personal experiences um, or even just being in that atmosphere, you're going to have um, a better chance with it. It is hard because you have to open yourself up. I have to allow people to, to let people come in because no one's going to listen to a robot, right? Yeah. They want to listen to a human. They want to listen to someone that like feels um, because it's like, man, like I'd, I'd, I'd say the times I felt the most frustrated is if, if I was being coached was like, man, like, you're not even feeling what I'm feeling. You know, yeah. you're just telling me to do these things and you're not even taking into consideration that this is very difficult for me because of panic or anxiety or, yeah, you know, yeah. like I'm not lazy. I, I, like I'm really depressed right now and I'm really struggling, but I am doing my best. Yeah. You know, these are things that like, um, I feel that also as someone with, with, um, with my mental health issues that, that makes it easier for me to kind of understand and be a little bit forgiving, but I can also still be hard and be like, okay, we can't just stop anything. We still got to keep pushing. So still try right. to be motivated. Right. Like there's still a line. Um, and, um, and it is draining. It is very, very draining. Like after tournaments, it's like, I need an F I need a day to just like not be around people, you know, the days leading up to the tournament or the weeks leading up to tournament, I'm slowly building up little pockets of energy, like a little gremlin with gold nuggets, like yeah. them away in my little, in my little, like my little, like den of darkness right um because i know that when the day comes i i i'm there's no time for me to think about if i'm tired or there's no time for me to think about um what are my needs i have to i like I, I, I can take obviously i'm gonna go to the bathroom i'm gonna sit you know i need to communicate like hey i'm starting to feel like kind of run down can you cover these matches so i can communicate that you know, yeah. with other coaches but like going in i know that like it is my duty to serve, especially my, my kids, especially the kids, because like they don't know anything and all they want is for someone familiar to be there and for them to just like know that they're not alone, you know, and the adults, I mean, obviously the adults are adults, but like I still kind of teach them like my little babies too, because it's like, you know, there's certain, there's certain students that you work with so closely with. It's like, man, I want to be there 
for them because I want to see this development win or lose. I want to see how they develop. If yeah. they win, I want to congratulate them on the thing that they did right and, and say like, hey, yeah, all the stuff that we were working was working. And if they lose, I'm like, hey, like, I'm here for you. Like, I'm still working with you. I'm not going to like stop teaching you because you didn't win, you know? Yeah. And that's really, really important. Yeah, I love that. And you kind of mentioned a little bit about this, um, but specifically advice, because I get a lot of questions from women who want to step into coaching roles um, and, you know, or maybe even starting to do so at like blue and purple belt, you know, what are the younger, uh, the, the lower ranks. And so obviously a lot of imposter syndrome is present. Um, do you have any advice for, you know, women who want to step into a coaching role and like how to, you know, navigate that and navigate imposter syndrome? Um, confident, I mentioned it earlier, confidence resume is huge. Like start with the things that you know that you're absolutely good at the things that like, again, unrefutably, like these are the skills that you, that you have, right? And then start from there, right? At the very least, like um, someone who wants to coach, that means that they're very passionate about what it is that they're doing. And that means that, um, that, that there is a genuine love and desire to like, again, um, want to give to other people. It's very easy for it to be ego-based in the beginning because maybe you get kind of like a little bit of a hit of like, oh yeah, people are listening to me and people, you know, people are, it's, it's like you, like other people are validating the skills that you have, right? Or the skills yeah. that you possess. And, and so it's really easy to get kind of caught up into that trap. Um, but then also it's like, well, who's going to listen to me? I'm like, well, look at, look at the experience you have. Look at what you do have to offer, you know, like, I, I feel like at blue or at purple, like anyone can be a really good coach for as long as you, again, are, foot, are basing it on wanting to help your students and the other people, not about making yourself feel good about helping other people. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, um, what you're speaking to is basically, if you can connect your heart's intention to being of service. Yes. Whenever we're of service, it's so much bigger than ourself. So that pressure to like need to prove or like not make a mistake, it kind of gets a little neutralized because you're like, this is bigger than me. You know, I'm doing yeah. this because I'm of service because of the bigger connection that I have here. So yeah, that's exactly what came to mind for me. Yeah. I think a younger version of me would have been like, oh, they lost because they weren't listening to me. And then, but me now would be like, well, uh, like I, th I think maybe they uh, they just weren't able to get everything connected or like maybe they're still struggling with making this work. It's not that they're not listening, right? Like if I'm out there and you're yelling at me and I'm panicked and I don't know what I'm doing, it's not, I'm, it's not, I'm not listening to you. It's like, maybe I just can't hear you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's not because I can't actually hear you. It's because I can't hear you because my brain is like, <laughs> you know, like out of service sound, right? Like, so um, it's like understanding that like, it's okay. Like we can just come back to work and again, start small. It's not about coaching everybody. Sometimes it's actually just starting with one person that again, that you can work well with. And again, understanding them because that's really all it takes. I, I think that when I started coaching and even teaching, it's like, it was easy for me to kind of fall back on like the stuff that I won, but just because I'm a good competitor doesn't mean I'm going to be a good teacher. Right. So that is I had so to, true. I feel yeah. like it's so important for you to say that so many people think that just because you have an accolade or you're a good competitor, you're a good coach. That is not true. Yeah. No, yeah. it doesn't necessarily always like correlate. They don't necessarily go together. And so, um, 
I think the biggest thing too was like, again, I mentioned communication earlier, but like also understanding how people learn. I think that's something that anybody can do. It doesn't matter if you're a blue or purple belt, like everyone can take the time to understand how, how like as an instructor, how we best learn, like how do I best learn things? And then now having to pay attention to how my students best learn things. So when I'm teaching, I'm doing my best to try to explain things, okay, not just a technique as itself, but if someone's having a harder time, maybe visualizing or maybe understanding the concept, maybe I'll use an analogy. Like sometimes I'll ask, hey, do you need to feel it? Do you need to feel this in order for to feel better for you? Or here, maybe try it with me instead of trying it with a partner that doesn't know what they're doing yet either, you know, because that also helps, right? It's, it's, it's really, really stepping into the role of like, again, it's not about just giving information, but understand like, but also learning how that information is going to be communicated and how it's going to be received. Um, and again, anybody can do that. That doesn't, that, that skill has nothing to do with if you're blue, purple, brown or black belt, that's just you being a person, <laughs> you know? Time to just care a little <clears throat> deeply, just care yes. a little more deeply, really. That's like the only skill that you need, the only superpower you need, and you'll learn skill through time and experience. Exactly. And then everything else is going to be in time. And when in doubt, we are not perfect. Coaches are not perfect. Coaches do not have all the answers. We are not all knowing and omnipotent. Omnipotent. Yes. Um, and so if I don't know somewhat something, be honest and say, I don't know something. Right. Like it's really easy to feel like, oh, we should have the answers for everything. Um, but if I if ever have a student ask me a question and I don't know the answer, uh, one, first I have to make sure I, I am understanding the question properly because sometimes they're saying one thing and I'm understanding something different. Um, and then, because otherwise the answer might be simple, but if it's not, then I will say like, you know, I actually don't know this. I'm not familiar with this position as much. Like, hey, I might need to actually look into that one a little bit more for you. Um, you know, so maybe not today, but let me get back to you on that one because that would be that situation I'm not familiar with. Again, you have to be honest. It doesn't do us anything in jujitsu to lie about thing about skills you don't have, right? You just have to be honest. And again, that in itself makes it very vulnerable. Like again, no one wants to admit that they're wrong. No one wants to admit that they don't know something, especially if they're in a, a leadership position. They feel like they should have the answers, but that's not that's not the case at all. Even leaders have, leaders have to learn. Leaders don't have all the answers. Leaders have to go through training too. And yeah. so if you want to be a good leader, you also have to admit where your deficiencies are too. And that's also part of being a good coach. Because if you don't have those skills yet, you have to be willing to admit that like, I need to learn these things. So I can be, yeah. so, so that not just for me, but for you too, you know, because if I know this, it's going to make me better, but it's also going to make you better too. And the next time I come around, I'm going to have an answer for you. Not just saying like some, giving a bullshit answer or, you know, cause that's, that's where the imposter syndrome really comes through. You know, that's where the mind's gonna be like, there you are, you're, you're bullshitting them, you're lying to them, you know, and your, and your, and your brain is not gonna let you forget that. It's not gonna, it's not gonna let you get away with it. It's gonna keep you up at night and be like, why'd yeah. you say that, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, it feels scary to be honest. Like you said, because it's vulnerable, but it's, it feels so much scarier in my opinion to be living beneath a lie you know, and that's where I feel like the imposter syndrome really shines because you know that you are technically being an imposter by lying, you know? So it's like, of course that feels uncomfortable too. And it's, um, the truth, it's always better to just speak the truth. And, um, that's beautiful, beautiful advice. I love that. And, um, 
And just a couple questions here. You mentioned a little bit about how you navigate like your mental training and stuff, but just for mental health in general, because that's a big passion of yours of mental health awareness. Um, how do you prioritize your mental health on a daily basis and um, just around jujitsu and just life? Like what are some practices that you do for your mental health? Um, it's really easy for me to feel like I need to be like, darn it. go, 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 go. I can't stop you know students come first school come first job comes first like so I always make sure that anytime I have a pocket there's a pocket of time where I don't have to interact and I don't have to talk to anybody I take that time <laughs> like I you know like um even things like answering phone calls or answering questions from students or or like potential new 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 um uh, new students to the school like I I designate times and it's like once I have, I, again, I, I kind of give myself, um, I, I give myself like a, like a time card, right? Like, okay, from these hours to these hours, like, okay, I'm, I'm Coach Christina or I'm Black Belt Christina, but like for this little pocket of time here, I'm just me, you know, like, so like if I want to, you know, you know, grab a meal or have like a sip of tea or, you know, sit in my car with the windows down and the sun on my face, like, that's what I'm going to need to do. Do I need to take a nap? Um, how am I going to recharge for the next time I'm going to have to socialize? Yeah. You know, because um, if I didn't take these little breaks within the day, it gets very manageable. Uh, it gets hard to manage. Yeah. Um, am I eating? Am I drinking? You know, these are these are things too. It's like, okay, make sure I always have, have snacks. If I didn't eat, like, all right, I got to make sure that I have food available. If I feel like I'm falling off or I feel like I'm feeling... Um, not myself, um, or I feel like something's coming on, communicate to whatever adult or whoever's there so that they're, they know what to expect. I can't live in my own head and I can't, um, the more that I make myself believe that I'm a burden, I will become a quote unquote burden, right? Because that means I will, I will shut down and that means I'm out of, out, of, out of capacity and I didn't communicate to anybody and then now people are scrambling, trying to fill in the holes because I didn't prepare them. You know, um, I feel that like, again, it's really easy to want to internalize everything um, because we are so much in our heads. Like the depression, anxiety, it's all just here in our heads. And, and the voices, depending on the day, could be louder or sometimes a little bit more subdued, sometimes in the background and sometimes in the front. Um, but even if, you're, if you have people that you work closely with, if you can, they don't have to know your whole life story, but you can let them know like, hey, I'm not feeling too good right now. I might need a little bit of help here, or I might need to pull back a little bit, or hey, um, like, I, like it's getting really too much right now. Can I just sit down for a second? Can you just cover these like for like 10, 15 minutes, right? Um, are good. Or even the beginning of the day, just heads up like, I'm, I'm not feeling too good today. And so if there's a chance, I might have to call out a little bit can we cover this you know is it possible to get that covered um yeah it makes it easier to manage when you have people on your side 100%. because you do have people you have people on your side you always have people on your side but actually like are you willing to let them in exactly let them in they they like the people that care about you actually care about you you're not being a burden but like if you don't communicate again like the, the less you communicate and the more that you just kind of keep it in your head um now you're creating like this big bundle that like it does, it becomes harder for you to manage and it becomes harder for other people to manage too if something happens to you. Yeah. So um, just having everybody on the same page, 
again, it's scary to tell people like I need help. Um, and so that that's probably like the first thing that we, we need to do, even starting like little things like, you know, hey, I need five minutes. Like it's like small asks, right? And then over time, you can get, you can create a bond of trust. Cause like, again, trust is everything. Right? Students need to trust you and you need to trust your students. And again, this comes to like the honesty thing here too. The more that we are honest, the more trust that we can build. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. My students are not gonna come to me if they know that I'm not being forthright or if they, they feel like I'm hiding something or if they feel I'm being, um, uh, I'm not being genuine with them or for not being authentic, they will know. They will yeah. know when I'm being fake. At least I feel that. I, I'm a bad liar and yeah. I'm bad at hiding yeah. my emotions and I'm bad at hiding when I'm off. Um, so better better to just be out with it right yeah. and and just like like own it like my, exactly better to own it like like I, I'm feeling really vulnerable right now and that's actually my strength and my vulnerability yeah. is my strength and so um the more that I'm honest with that the more that like my students see that like I am I'm not I'm not a superhero like I know sometimes it looks like that I am, but I am, I'm very much human. I just manage really, really, really well. And that management comes from communicating and again, letting yeah. certain people in and also making sure that I lead by example that like, you know, like here I am, like, I'm not, my, I'm not feeling at my best today, but I'm giving you the best I have for today. Uh, yeah. And, you know, when we do that as leaders in leadership positions, we give our students permission to also recognize that they can yes. when they're struggling, you know, and, you know, they can be vulnerable and be themselves, you know, so it's a ripple effect. It's not just, you know, something that's benefiting us and our mental health, but it also is going to open the door for other people to feel safe, to be able to be like, oh, wow, well, she's willing to do that. Then maybe I can have the capacity to do that as well. And then you never know what kind of life that saves. Cause I know there's multiple stories where it does save lives. So, you know, yes. a part, a positive part in that journey of somebody's. And so thank you so much for sharing that. And then finally, of course, I don't want to go without talking about inspire. So what was your inspiration for creating inspire and what's the mission behind it? And, um, let's hear about it. Okay. Well, so I started inspire when I was in purple belt, um, I, at the time, again, at the time I was thinking like competition and let's compete, right? And um, and I was like, man, like I'm wondering, you know, I was in Arizona at the time. I'm like, I wonder if that would be possible. And like, you know, like there's not too many women here. Like, would that would that even be something that we could do? And um, I remember um, she was a friend of mine back then and, and she actually passed away earlier this year, uh, but her name is uh, Wendy Aravalo. And she messaged me one time and, you know, and she said like, hey, like, I know like you do, you work a lot with like tournaments with Gustavo and like, um, but like a lot of us women, like we only get to, the only time that we ever really get to, you know, roll with other women is in competition. It's the only other time that we get to roll with, like, I don't have too many women to train with. And like, we're kind of separate or kind of like spotchy, like spread out here and there. And then, and, and it sucks that like, the one time that I actually get to roll with, with another with another woman is they have to be my competition. Um, and like, is it possible to create something where we like, we don't have to have that? And I'm like, you know what? You might be onto something, let me get back to you. And so I just started brainstorming. I'm like, okay, what if we just had like, like this event where it's just an open mat where we can just train with each other. And like, in my head, I'm like, well, I think we could probably get like 20 women to do this, right? Like if I counted like all the women that I've met at tournaments, cause that was 
that was really it. If you, if I didn't train with you, I only met women who were at tournaments too. And like, maybe we can get like 20 women. And so I put it together as just kind of like, all right, like I'll talk with Mackenzie Dern. She was living in Arizona at the time. And then, and then like, maybe we'll just like, like um, I want I want to make sure that I don't host it at my own academy. I don't want it to look like I'm trying to take people's students. So I want to try to move it around at different academies. You know, let's have it over at McKenzie's. Let's ever have it over at uh, Megaton's Academy. So people know that even though I'm the organizer, um, my intention isn't for me to, to take two students. Yeah, it's not poach students, but the intention really is to just have something where we can all just kind of just play with each other, like talk with each other, meet with each other. Yeah. Um, and the first one had like 50 women. And I'm like, where are all these women from? Oh my God. <laughs> Again, I never thought that this would be a thing. And then we had like women who came from, from Las Vegas. And then um, we had women who come from California. I'm like, oh my God, like, this is crazy. And so um, I was like, well, like, let's, let's do another. And like, well, let's do another and let's do another. And like, and it just, I, we went from like me thinking that I was only going to have like 20 women show up to the first one having 50 to like the largest one I had, like had 120 women and just for an open mat. Um, wow. I've done it in Arizona. I've done it in California. And I had the last one I did was in was in Baltimore. Um, and I haven't been able to do it since because, you know, COVID. I wanted to bring it back in 2020 and then COVID happened. Oh, yeah. And then I've been so busy here that I haven't been able to set up too many events since it's, I'm just I did everything by myself. Yeah. You know, I I would start getting in contact with sponsors like, hey, you know, like we're doing this women's open mat. It's free. Um, would you be willing to like donate some like, you know, like raffle prizes and, you know, and then it started like, okay, and now it's not just for the women who do jujitsu, but maybe for women who want to try jujitsu, like maybe you want to bring in, you know, um, like a family member or, or a friend, you know, and then I started doing petite inspires, petite inspires were like specifically just for little kids, ages, four to 15. Yeah. So yeah, when I did Inspire, it was like, okay, we'll do like maybe like 13 and up or, you know, if they're a little bit more advanced then maybe, you know, 10 and up. But like, it was like 13 and up for Inspire. And then for the petite Inspire, I made it from ages four to four to 15. Um, like to have that little crossover because it's so hard when like at those teenage years, like kind of too big for the kids. Sometimes you're a little too small for the adults. So it was yeah, nice yeah. That, that no matter what, like that demographic of, of girls, um, could have someone to work with within each event and then having women that train jiu-jitsu in the in community also help take part of like being there to like chaperone and like watch wow. those smaller kids so now now this is an opportunity for some of those blue and purple belts um, who might want to coach now this is their opportunity to be in this open setting with a lot of girls and now you're in and now these young girls are looking up to you as a coach because simply just because you're there yeah. You know, it's not because, you know, it's not because, you know, the best jujitsu, it's just because yeah. you're there and you care and you yeah. want and you want you want for them to have this good experience. And you're leading by example, by being present in this, this awesome, you know, this awesome atmosphere. So um, that was really just the brainchild behind it was I just wanted women to get together and be able to bond with each other and make friendships outside of competition because you have moms that train right I think this would be the first time that other moms can meet other moms that train jiu-jitsu and they can talk about like their struggles of what it's like 
you know, bringing their kids to jujitsu and then also being a mom or being a wife and then having their job and like having to, you know, juggle all these roles. Cause that's something that I don't know anything about. I'm not a yeah. mom. I, I don't have kids that I have to bring around. I don't have a husband. Um, you know, I don't have the same responsibilities or the same weight um, that, that these women have. Right. And so just having that variety of, of women to like talk to and connect with, and then it turned into other things too. Like um, if it wasn't for, you know, around the time that I had um, one of the inspires in Arizona, you know, we had started having like these issues with like sexual assault and jujitsu, right? And like that was like really big in the news um, in, in the jujitsu community. And that became my also my platform for me to first start talking about my experiences with sexual assault, you know, and then knowing that I, there's a room with other women who might also experience those things and also younger girls because the first time I was assaulted I was 13 you know and um and seeing that there were other teenage girls in the room like maybe they're my 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 shoes too when I was that you know I can't do anything for me when I was 13 I'm already an adult right I grew up um but you know there could be a 13 year old out there who maybe I, I could say something and that makes them be like hey you know I'm gonna stand up for myself or you know like there's power in my no or there's power in you know whatever it is like or even just make again for some of the other women who maybe same thing that they blame themselves for these things that happened to them and and now now we've created this other type of body because again that is something that I don't feel like a lot of like our male counterparts have had to experience but we do a lot of us a lot of us for, um, for women, like we find jujitsu for different reasons. Um, and I don't say, I hate to say it, but sometimes it is related to that. Sometimes we've had these terrible things that happened to us and jujitsu was our way of being able to gain control again of ourselves and our, and our, again, our autonomy and our minds and our hearts because so much of it has been lost to, or not lost, but we've been disconnected from those parts of ourselves because because of these traumatic these traumatic things that happen. It doesn't necessarily have to be like sexual assault. It could be anything, any type of trauma, right? And so now there's this bonding. If it wasn't for martial arts coming to my life, I don't think I would have um, such, a, such a comfort having like conversations with women. I'm afraid of women. I'm afraid of women. Oh my God, I hate to say that. But like, but now, now I'm better, but like growing up, like I just oh, had yeah. trust issues, major trust issues, oh. right? And so again, same thing, if you were to tell me that like younger me that like, hey, in the future, you're going to be someone that uh, champions like women's empowerment and you're going to be a leader in like the women's community, I would have thought that you were bullshitting me because <laughs> yeah. I'm such a tomboy and like all my friends were guys. And, you know, I was such a like, I was such a pick me. I'm not like those other girls. I'm not yeah. like those other girls. I'm not catty. I don't, I don't start drama and I'm not high maintenance and, 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 um, you know, inspire was, I guess, I guess my way of, um, getting back in touch with my, my, actually my own femininity yeah. and, and, and being a woman and being the role as a woman and standing in a room with other women, being a woman, not, I have to be the cool girl or I have to be the, yeah. the tough girl or I have to be one of the boys. No, I'm one of the girls too. And there's a, there's a room full of other women who are just like me who have experiences similar to me and, and, and we can be friends. We don't have to be at each other's throats. We don't have to be catty. I don't have to try to make anyone feel less than me yeah. um, so I can feel big and vice versa. Um, and that has been like, that again, that comes into my coaching and that comes into like just everything that I've I've, I've wanted to do with jujitsu, which is that um, 
again, tapping into a power that is to help elevate others, not diminish them. I love that so much. Mm. That feels so good. And I can resonate with that 100%, the same exact thing. I realized that I wanted to step into a leadership role, working specifically with female athletes. I was like, what am I thinking? I never had female friends. Like I'm scared of women. Like I, I, I recognize that, oh, it's an opportunity for me to heal all of my sister wounds because this is the role that, you know, I'm being called to step into. And so it's forcing me to address these wounds because otherwise it's going to be a very, uh, like you said, that power struggle relationship when it comes to women, instead of like really being able to empower each other and be there and uplift each other, it's going to be a power struggle because of those wounds. So that's so beautiful that you create that environment in that space. And I can't wait for the next one. Definitely. We'll, we'll stay posted on whenever that next one is. And then lastly, just how can people connect with you? Obviously you're active on social media. Is there any other platform or email or website that is the best way for people to connect with you if they want to reach out and get some privates or just say hi? Yeah. Um, I mean, Instagram definitely is the most direct way. I mean, I'm on there all time like also just kind of like I would say I dissociate but sometimes again sometimes I'm like oh man I just need to step out of my body for a little bit Instagram right <laughs> we all have we all have our coping mechanisms and you know sometimes yeah. just being on there is is, is, is is easy but you can also just directly email me uh Christina at kbjujitsu.com super easy um but like I don't know something about Instagram just makes it easier it's like not as threatening like sometimes that email comes I'm like oh god What's this email? What's in there? What's going on there? You know, again, <laughs> social anxiety, the social anxiety gets really high up. For whatever reason, Instagram, it's it's a little, it's a little disarming. It's not as like uh, I'm not gonna you know. lie. I do have a little bit more resistance against email too. I tend to let my emails go a little bit more than my Instagram DMs. I'm like, what is that about? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. What is this? reflect on that because I am curious about that but thank you so much for spending the time to talk with us share your experiences your struggles and you know what your perspective in approaching jitsu and how you navigate competition and as a coach I know that there is so much value here and it's going to support so many people so you taking the time to do this in your raspiness and all of and all of bringing all of you right now is perfect and um if you guys learned anything, any takeaways or insights that really resonated with you, I would love for you to share it with us on social at Body by Boss LLC. You can tag us, you can tag Christina as well. I'll put all of her information in the show notes to follow her on Instagram if you don't already um, and her email, like she said, but thank you Christina, so much for being here today. And I look forward to seeing you guys in the next episode. 